Our long nightmare is over, and the Boston Bruins are finally back in the win column following Saturday night's 4-2 victory over the Florida Panthers. Welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast for Monday, December 16th. This is episode number 56 of your daily Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name, as always, is Ian McLaren. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Ian C. McLaren. You can also follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins and download the podcast wherever you find your podcasts. If you heard some chirping in the background, that was one of my sons saying, Go Leafs, go. And he has since been punished. <laughs> we allow freedom of speech and choice of hockey teams in this house. Uh, so, yeah, as I mentioned, the Bruins back. Uh, they're winning ways thanks to the 4-2 win over the uh, Florida Panthers on Saturday. Want to say hi, Henry? Hello, podcast. That was my youngest son making an appearance on the podcast. Uh, the big story of the night was the second line who stepped up in a big way for the Bruins. Um Charlie Coyle was put up on the right side of Jake DeBrusque and David Krejci's line. Uh, Bruce Cassidy said they were excellent, that trio. Uh, He asked, was it Charlie or was it the other two guys? Just knowing that sooner or later they're good players, they're going to come around. I think it's a bit of both. Charlie's a good presence in the slot, and he'll help below the goal line. Uh, That he'll help maybe signifies uh, Coyle getting an extended look on the right side of that line, uh, as opposed to serving as the third line center where he had been skating with Andres Bjork and Danton Heinen. Uh, but that remains to be seen in advance of Tuesday's game against the Kings, how the lines shake out. It was Jake DeBrusque who opened the scoring for the Bruins at the 441 mark of the first period. The Bruins were uh, seemingly relentless in that period, out shooting the Panthers, 22-11, to 11, and they were finally rewarded with DeBrusque's goal, which was his 100th career point. Uh, David Krejci later, uh, sorry, earlier in the second period, he scored another even-strength goal to give the Bruins a 2-0 lead, and then David Pasternak scored his 27th on the power play uh, about four minutes later to give the Bruins a 3-0 lead at the time. The Panthers did make it 3-2 and made it interesting down the stretch, bringing back bad memories of the recent four-goal lead that the Bruins coughed up against Florida, a game in which they eventually lost in a shootout. Uh, But the Bruins were able to get uh, an empty net goal from David Pasternak with just over two minutes remaining in the game, his league-leading 28th of the season. Uh, to seal the victory for the Bruins. But again, the big story was the second line. Uh, DeBrusque said it was the first time in a while that we kind of controlled the pace of play when we were out there. It's just one of those things that you're trying to keep building as the year goes along. It was nice to produce those two five-on-five goals. That's something we want to do, especially this time when it's kind of backs against the wall, going up against a good Florida team with a good home record. We knew we had to be good, and it was nice to see. Uh, he added of Coyle, he was good tonight. I thought he was strong on pucks. He's been there a little bit throughout the year. It's more so understanding what kind of player he is, the more reps that you get. 
I thought he was strong on pucks down low and good defensively. He's a centerman naturally, so you, that to have that kind of defensive posture gave us more chances to go out there in the D zone for draws. I thought we played well as a line tonight. So Coyle moving up to the second line kind of raises the question as to what the Bruins should do with the roster or adding to the roster throughout the season. Um, do they keep Coyle up on the second line and look for a third line center uh, as the trade deadline approaches? Or do they bump Coyle back down to the third line where he had been playing quite well with Bjork and Heinen and look to add a uh, a winger um, as the season goes on? Obviously, it would be probably cheaper to look at the third line center role than to add a top six winger. Uh, just in terms of return and cap hit that you're bringing on. Uh, But it's something possibly worth pursuing or considering as Don Sweeney um, certainly has some work to do to fill out the roster uh, for another playoff push. Um, Yeah, so that's something to keep an eye on um, as the season goes on. Uh, The Bruins did... Uh, breakout on the power play as well. They had been in a two for 29 slump. Uh, and then David Pasternak scored his first of the night on the power play. The Bruins went one for three overall, uh, which was great to see them get uh, back, back in the swing of things that way. Um, in terms of the overall effort, again, the Bruins had lost five in a row coming into this one. They had earned only one point out of their last, uh, possible 10, uh, including back-to-back losses earlier in the week to Washington and Tampa Bay and a loss to the Senators uh, prior to that. Cassidy said, it looks like we're getting back to more Bruins style of hockey the last three games. Uh, Only one win to show for it, but if we play that way this week at home, I see good things for us, especially if all four lines are contributing. The Bruins have a four-game homestand heading into the uh, holiday break. They will host the Kings, the Islanders, the Predators, and the Capitals. Um, so a nice little bit of home cooking as they uh, get ready for the holiday break. Uh, two of those games are certainly very winnable, I would think. Uh, that would be against the Kings and the Predators. Uh, the Islanders and Capitals will pose more of a challenge, uh, but if the Bruins can split their games going into the holidays, uh, I think they'll be well positioned, uh, yeah, to in- enjoy the break and-, and look back to start again strong after the holiday break. Um, they will be starting right away on the road uh, with a actually a home and home against the Sabers on the 27th and the 29th, and then uh, a road game afternoon game. Uh, against the New Jersey Devils on New Year's Eve. So um, if they can finish strong here before the break, get a few days off, uh, those three games, uh, they could really bury the Sabres as they look to try to catch up to them in the Eastern Conference standings, the Atlantic Division standings. And uh, yeah, the Bruins could really um, solidify their standing as the number one team in the Atlantic uh, currently nine points up on the Buffalo Sabres for first place in the Atlantic. Uh, but that's looking ahead a little bit after the break. Uh, first coming up will be Tuesday against the Kings. 
And of course, uh, on tomorrow's podcast, we'll take a look ahead at that game. But really encouraging uh, performance for the Bruins on the road, the tail end of a road trip that had not been successful at all uh, to get that win against a Florida Panthers team that is uh, pretty good. They're only one point back of third in the Atlantic right now. They have fallen behind Toronto and Tampa Bay, uh, but we'll get into that here in a moment with the Atlantic Division Power Rankings. Uh, the Bruins, after this one, they're 21-7-6, and uh, good for 48 points, plus 29 goal differential, which is tops in the uh, Eastern Conference and um, second in the NHL behind the Colorado Avalanche. So despite this recent uh, slump, they're s- still near the top of the NHL standings and remain well-positioned for success as we near the turn of the calendar to 2020. As we do every week, it's time to look at the updated Atlantic Division power rankings, and we will begin at the bottom and uh, just... Give a shout out to the Detroit Red Wings for giving it their best shot. They are 9-23-3 through 35 games, 21 points, which is by far a league low, uh, minus 60 goal differential. They have won two of their last 10 games, uh, so good on them for that, making some small progress, but uh, definitely the worst team in the NHL. Uh, next closest in terms of points is the New Jersey Devils at 25, and they're currently trying to get rid of their best player, which we will uh, talk about here in a moment. Number seven, I'll put the Ottawa Senators. They're 14, seven, and two. Uh, you know, hanging around. They're three, six, and one in their last ten. Uh, they're five points behind sixth place Florida. Definitely not as bad as we thought they were going to be. Uh, but still, you know, pretty bad uh, overall and uh, definitely in line to uh, challenge for one of the top lottery draft picks come June. Uh, their goal differential is actually pretty respectable at, at minus 13. If you compare that again to Detroit's minus 60, then uh, quite a wide gap. But uh, Detroit's a pretty special case. Um there are six teams with worse goal differentials than the Senators, including the Blackhawks, Blue Jackets, Sharks, Kings, Devils, and Red Wings. So, uh, yeah, Ottawa not as bad as we thought they would be, but uh, still pretty bad. Here's where it starts to get interesting in the Atlantic Division. If we go by points, the sixth-place team is the Florida Panthers. That does not hold true in terms of point percentage. Uh, I'm actually going to put the Montreal Canadiens in sixth place this week. They're 33 games in, 15, 12, and 6, a 545 point percentage, which is actually ahead of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I'm going to put them in sixth by virtue of the fact that they're, uh, you know, 4, 5, and 1 in their last 10. They have a minus 2 goal differential overall, and I just don't see them being in the playoff picture long term this season. I think they're a team that is bound to fade out at some point. I don't think they're going to hang with uh, the Florida teams, uh, with the Maple Leafs. Uh, even the Sabres, I think, have a stronger um, future than the Canadians. I'm going to put them in sixth place this week. Having said that, if we look at Corsi percentage, 
uh, in the Atlantic Division. The Canadians are actually first in the Atlantic, second overall with a 53.89 Corsi percentage. So, you know what? Uh, maybe I am just a little bit biased, being this is a Boston Bruins podcast, and the fact that uh, we're not uh, allowed to root for the Canadians or even think that they're very good, but... Uh, they are controlling possession pretty well, second only to the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, so maybe that goal differential, just a case of bad luck at this point, uh, not getting the scoring that they need. Uh, but um, still, I'm going to put them in sixth place. I just don't see them as a playoff team. Sorry, Montreal, for those of you who by chance are listening to this. Um in fifth place, I'm going to put the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have a 529 point percentage, which is uh, only topped or, I don't know, how would you say it, bottomed out by the Senators and Red Wings in the Atlantic. They play 34 games, 16-4-4. Four four. They have a uh, plus one goal differential, 6-4 and four in their last 10 games under new head coach Sheldon Keefe. Uh, Tyson Berry seemed to have been banged up in Saturday's game, if he's out, that could be a hit for them as they were, uh, he seemed pretty rejuvenated under the new head coach. Um, you know, they're right now, they're not on pace to make the playoffs, uh, which is crazy to think at this point in the season, nearing the Christmas break. Uh, but, um, yeah, that's just the way things are in Toronto this year. And I don't see them as being a team that's going to necessarily go on a, 750 point percentage run here and crack 100 points. Um, they're going to be a playoff bubble team, I think, and their best chance is to get into the top three in the Atlantic, and they'll be fighting with um, the top four teams, which we will begin with uh, the Florida Panthers. They're 15-2-5 through 32 games. They, of course, just lost to the Bruins on Saturday. Uh, their point percentage is just slightly ahead of the Canadians, at 547. Uh, they have a plus one goal differential, which is tied with uh, the Maple Leafs. They're actually one goal behind the Maple Leafs, so their offense is pretty dynamic, but they've allowed one fewer goal than the Maple Leafs at 108. I would expect that to level off a bit as we're starting to see the real Sergei Bobrovsky for the Panthers. Uh, we saw that um, yeah, quite vividly on Saturday as he put in a very strong performance despite the loss. Uh, if it wasn't for him, it easily could have been a pretty major blowout. Um, so I expect, again, I've been saying it all season long, I expect the Panthers will be a playoff team uh, just this morning. However, Pierre Lebrun said that it doesn't look like the Panthers are in on Taylor Hall. Uh, they don't want to pay the rental price. They thought they could sign him. That obviously would have been a huge boost. Uh, but they do still have a pretty uh, solid offense. And um, yeah, I expect as Bobrovsky's save percentage goes up, their playoff chances will also improve. In third place, I'm going to put the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're third in the Atlantic in terms of point percentage at 565. They're 16-2-3. and three. Uh, They're second in the Atlantic with a plus 10 goal differential. Uh, they're still only four, five, and one in their last ten. Definitely look a bit out of sorts, uh, but there's just too much talent on this team to 
not think that they'll be in the top three in the Atlantic when it's all said and done. Uh, they do have, uh, where are they in terms of Corsi percentage? I'm sure you can hear me clicking around as I double check that. Um, where are they here? They're ninth in the NHL right now, so they're getting some pretty good possession numbers. Uh, 51.28, that's behind the Canadians and the Maple Leafs. Uh, but still, I think they have a roster that lends itself to sustained success and they should be better than they are right now we'll see if that improves but uh, right now they are third in point percentage behind the buffalo sabers who i'm putting in second place they've really been fueled lately by jack eichel who's gone on a pretty impressive point streak lately uh i believe he's second in the nhl in goals Uh, i could be wrong about that uh but um, he really looks like an MVP candidate at this point in the season. If you remember, the Sabres started off really strong. Then they took a bit of a, uh, a nosedive, uh, but they've really come back, and Eichel's a big reason for that. That's right. He is second in the NHL in goals, five behind David Pasternak with 23. And uh, in terms of total points, he's among the league leaders as well uh, at 48, tied with Pasternak. Only McDavid at 57, Dreisaitl 56, Nathan McKinnon, Brad Marchand at 50, and then Pasternak and Eichel. So I really think that Eichel deserves some MVP consideration, and if the Sabres do make the playoffs, he should be uh, definitely in that conversation. Number one team is the Boston Bruins. They're 21-7-6. They're th- Third, second in the NHL in points, sorry, at 48, five behind the Capitals. Third in terms of point percentage. And they're also uh, second in goal differential behind only the Colorado Avalanche. So they went through a minor dip there, losing streak. uh, But they appear to be back thanks to that win over the the Florida Panthers. Their underlying numbers, they have even 50 Corsi percentage at five on five play. Again, what's helping this team is their goaltending for sure. They have a uh, 93.18 save percentage in five on five play, which is fifth in the NHL. They also have a 9.64 shooting percentage five on five, uh, which is um, second in the NHL. So, You know, basically you expect teams to be around 92% in terms of save percentage, around uh, 8% in terms of shooting percentage, and that should be about a level 100 PDO. Uh, A team like the Anaheim Ducks, for example, they have a PDO of 100.1, 8.04 shooting percentage, 92.1 save percentage. So they're kind of basically what... We would expect them to be uh, the Bruins inflated shooting and save percentages at five on five play. But that's like I've been saying, due to the fact that they have two starting level goalies and they have, you know, three, four lines that can score on any given night. So um, the Bruins are built to win. And um, yeah, I don't think they'll regress too much. Uh, I do think they're a top team in the NHL. It's uh, 34 games in, quite a a large sample size to go by. Uh, 
those puck luck conversations start to diminish as the season gets deeper. And um, I really think this team has a strong hold on number one place in the Atlantic, and it would be uh, take a pretty big disaster for them to give that up. They're currently nine points up on the Sabres for second place. And uh, barring a, a major collapse, I don't see them uh, giving up that position this season. It remains to be seen whether they'll play. Uh, well, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves in terms of uh, playoff playoff matchups. So that's the Atlantic Division Power Rankings for another week. Let's uh, finish the show here with some uh, news and notes from around the NHL. The biggest story around the NHL right now is, of course, the Taylor Hall watch. Uh, Hall was held out of New Jersey's games over the weekend in Colorado and in Arizona. And the belief is that the uh, Devils are assessing options in terms of uh, trade packages for where to send the soon-to-be unrestricted free agent. Um, There's some question as to whether... It's a pure rental, or if he'd be willing to re-sign with the team that he is sent to. Uh, The teams believed to be in the mix are the uh, Arizona Coyotes, the St. Louis Blues, the Colorado Avalanche. I mentioned the Panthers, but uh, Pierre Lebrun debunked that on Twitter this morning. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of speculation in terms of what's being offered. Uh, who can put together the best package. There really doesn't seem to be a lot of um, solid information out there other than the fact that it looks like he's played his last game for the Devils. The uh, NHL trade freeze, holiday trade freeze, goes in effect on um, the 19th, so that would be Thursday. The uh, Devils have a few days, therefore, to assess their options. Um, I think they're actually off for a couple of days, so they don't have to worry about keeping him out of the lineup. Um, so really interesting uh, developments to keep an eye on. It really doesn't seem like the Bruins are serious contenders for Taylor Hall. Uh, hopefully he does, in that case, go to a Western Conference opponent where the likelihood is that it won't affect their playoff uh, run or chances very much. It would be nice to be able to um, be in the mix to add a player of his caliber, but it really isn't in the cards for the Bruins with their cap space situation. Um, I mentioned on Friday, I believe, the fact that Ilya Kovalchuk may become available. It looks like uh, this, according to Pierre Lebrun as well, he will be walking away from his contract with the Kings. Um, See exactly what he said. Uh, LeBron said, Kovalchuk expected to leave the Kings as early as today, Monday, which would put him in breach of contract, bring on a suspension, and off we go with the process, which would end with an official parting of the ways this week. He would be a UFA by the end of it. The Kings will remain with his $6.25 million cap hit this season and next because he's a 35 and over player, but they would no longer have to pay him in real life. They paid a $2.65 million bonus over the weekend. He has 4.25 remaining in salary next year, but he'll walk away from that. If he is an unrestricted free agent, that means he can obviously sign with any team of his choice at whatever rate they're willing to pay him. I've said that if the Bruins can sign him to a deal like the Sharks agreed to with Patrick Marlowe, which would be like a one-year 
$700,000 contract, it's really worth taking a look at to see if he could uh, shore up the right side and play on the second line with DeBrusque and Krejci. I know he's not the Kovalchuk of old. He's um, slowed down a lot, but um, you could do worse than having him uh, on the right side, i.e. Brett Ritchie, which is what they are currently been doing. Uh, some good news ahead of the holidays. This from Pittsburgh Penguins captain Sidney Crosby. He's currently out with an injury, but he teamed up with CCM to announce a donation of 80 sets of hockey gear to participants in three programs uh, from Hockey Nova Scotia over the weekend. So a really cool thing that Crosby's doing in his home province. Uh, it's really uplifting to see um, stories like that come out. So good on uh, Sid for for taking that initiative. According to Sportsnet, the programs that he chose promote inclusion in hockey for players of color, f- uh, female, indigenous players, new Canadians. Um, so um, if you know anything about Nova Scotia, you know that that's kind of a hotbed for racism in Canada. And I think Crosby um, was intentional about this uh, without being verbal about it. Um, Amy Walsh, she's the executive director of Hockey Nova Scotia. She said it's really about giving access to kids who are usually unable to access the funds required to participate in the game. Enough of the 87 number was exact when you combine the three programs' needs, so it worked out perfectly, which is really cool. Obviously, Crosby's really married to that 87 number. Um, Walsh said the new Canadian program in particular has a wait list of participants and there's a shortage of equipment. So when Crosby heard that, he thought it was really important to pick that program. Uh, so again, good on Crosby and uh, be cool to see more players step up and um, kind of literally put their money where their mouth is in terms of making the game more inclusive. Uh, Crosby himself said in a news release, I wanted to be sure that Players had the best experience learning the game. Having the right equipment is the first step to getting started. Speaking of this, uh, there's a podcast on CBC called Front Burner, and last week there was a conversation with uh, Brock McGillis and Dan Carcillo about uh, issues in hockey with regards to racism and abuse and homophobia. I really recommend taking some time to listen to that podcast. It was on Friday. Again, that's Front Burner. Uh, up here in Canada, CBC Podcasts. I really recommend you check that out. Tomorrow, I'll be talking to uh, Sarah from the Locked on Kings podcast, and we'll be uh, previewing tomorrow's game against the Kings. And also, uh, I'll try to ask her about Tyler Toffoli, and um, that's been a, a trade target of mine for quite some time now, and it'd be great to to see her perception of him. I'm sure she won't want to talk about parting ways with him, but uh, we'll see what we can do. Um, So yeah, that's it for today's podcast. Thank you so much for taking some time to listen. As always, I am Ian McLaren, host of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at Ian C. McLaren. Follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. Um, and uh, tell your friends and family members about the podcast when you're gathering over the holidays. Have a great Monday, friends. Talk to you later.